Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another of our Learn With Sue Walk and Talk podcasts, where we talk all things positive psychology, emotional intelligence, and neuroscience to help us be the best we can be, whether at work or at play. And as you know, we are often joined by fabulous people where you get to eavesdrop on a conversation. And today we are joined by a particularly fabulous person that I've known for a number of years. And I'm going to put you in the frolic uh, component, the friend and colleague now. I am joined by the fabulous Chris Cummings. How are you, Chris? I'm really well. Thank you, Sue. And, uh, and thank you for the invitation. It's a real privilege to be here. Well, it's interesting because I I did think of you as somebody that would be worth chatting to because um, for people who don't know you, my uh, relationship with you has been through um, your summits. So your particular events, conferences, really focusing on well-being from a workplace perspective. And uh, you and I have collaborated in a num- number of different ways and we've been lucky enough to meet in uh, on a number of occasions before COVID. Um and then uh, virtually since COVID. And uh, I have been lucky enough to speak at some of your events. Um, But that's how I know you. How do you identify yourself, if you like? Who are you? Who is Chris? Tell us more. Well, um, you're putting me on the spot now. Um, so I, uh, I, I live in uh, I live in Brighton with my uh, with my husband and dog. Um, so um, uh, for those uh, who are not familiar with Brighton, it's on the south coast of the UK. Um, so um, lots of dog walks uh, along the seafront is uh, is a must for me in the mornings. Um, uh, I enjoy um uh sports um i enjoy uh cooking i enjoy having friends around i like uh entertaining uh, and doing things like that and connections so um so yeah quite a social being um and uh i've been doing well-being at work now for for 10 years come well coming up to 10 years next year so um so yeah it's been a crazy journey <laughs> oh, so there's a couple of things I need to ask. I'm going to talk more about the uh, the events in a moment. Uh, what's your dog's name, and what is it? My dog is a husky, and her oh. name is uh, uh, her name is uh, Dina. Um, so we got her from the local rescue centre about uh, eight or nine years ago. So um, she was found pregnant in Ireland, actually, um, and uh, and rescued that way. So yeah, she's a she's adorable, although getting a little bit slow and. Uh, and old now but um but yeah still uh gives us a lot of joy and uh makes us laugh a lot <laughs> <laughs> i love that husky's a beautiful dog okay now i've got that bit out of the way um so you mentioned you've been doing the the well-being at work events and that's really you, you do a lot more than that but that's sort of really how it started sort of 10 years ago um you now do these events oh, in what 20 cities around the world so tell us how you've seen it grow over the 10 years yeah, it's been a bit of a crazy journey. Um, I, I had no ambition or business plan to to do that. Um, it's just been a really organic and uh, and to a certain extent a, a bit of luck, I guess. Um, so so yeah, I was I was motivated to start it in uh, in the UK. Um, we brought some leaders together um, back in those days, trying to get uh, business leaders to talk about well being. Uh, I got called all sorts of names, um, as you can imagine, but there were some some shining lights uh, who thought this was a, a, a topic uh, that was serious enough. So, um, so yeah, we, we we did that for for a couple of years, and it started gaining momentum. And then um, more and more multinationals came, and their colleagues, and social media started really ramping up. And um, yeah, we just started. Uh, 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 providing that summit in in various locations so 
so yeah we're now in uh, we do 10 regional summits and each of the summits have uh, two two locations so um i'm i'm currently uh, sat in sydney um on the day before our uh, our, our summit tomorrow in uh, in this region that's very cool. And I suppose what I love is to your point of 10 years ago, well-being was not necessarily something that was talked about as much in, in an organisational setting. Um, and yet now, and certainly here in Australia, um, psychosocial hazards, psychosocial risks, mental health, it's all embedded into the organisational norms, if you like, of what's expected of us. Um, so that sort of transition that you've noticed people are taking it more seriously now what's your yeah yeah I think I I think they are I think it's definitely moved on um since uh since I started um and and obviously various different regions are at different stages I would say mm. um uh it's amazing to see what what's happened here in Australia with the um uh with with the legal side of things mm. and uh, and the legislation um, but but I also think the evidence has grown um, uh, around the, the positive impact um, it can have on on people and on uh, and on businesses and on organisations. Um, and I, I've always taken the view I I haven't used uh, the, the 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 bad stats if you like to to to, to try and influence people. I've always taken. Uh, a positive view on on why we should do this, and uh, that's why I've always loved you, Sue, because uh, that's that's really the angle that that you talk about. Um, I think um, there's lots of people talking about how dire things are, um, and in the world that we live in at the moment, uh, especially, uh, I think we we sh we should take a positive angle. Um, it's the right thing to do. It, it does have huge impact uh, on on, on organisations and on people. So um, so yeah, it's the in my view it, it should be uh at the top of everyone's um list really yeah and I agree and it's funny because that's what attracted me to your events and to you is because it's not about the one in five people or one in four people are going to suffer and this is what's so terrible mm. and the data says billions of dollars are going to be lost it's actually what's to be gained when we do this and and what's what's changing when we uh, look after somebody's well-being for them as an individual as well as the performance of the organization and mm. um, where do you see some organizations or some countries potentially leading the way in this space oh um so uh, that's probably one of the most common questions i've been asked in the last 10 years and uh, and it's always it's always difficult to to pick one particular region that's doing everything right. I think we can we can take learnings from from all regions um, and uh, uh, and bring that together. Uh, I think, like you say, with the Australia legislation, I, I think that's that's a game changer. Um, we've already seen uh, the impact of that here, and and that continues to grow. I think the conversation and awareness and and government interventions in in the UK, where I'm where I'm based, has been has been really positive um and and developing um but you know I, when i first started i i spent time in uh, in uh, on the west coast of the us as well and um you know everyone was talking about um, well-being in silicon valley back then you know so um th there's some th there's some great examples of what um some tech uh, firms have done there uh, the middle east there's organizations with medical facilities within their organizations so um Again, um, uh, not something that you would see in uh, in most organisations. So, 
so yeah i i guess that's a nuanced answer uh, and i'm not trying to dodge the question but it, there are some there's some great things uh, and i think that's what i'm really enjoying now because bring in some of those great practices from from different organizations from different regions to those local markets um really starts to uh, help us all get better mm. at what we're doing yeah and i think it's interesting in the uk one of the things that i think's happening there is really gathering data around well-being what works there's mm. some great organizations now of gathering big data to say this is the impact this is what's working this is not etc um mm. and i think they're doing probably a really good job of that from a government uh, feeding data to government and organizations uh, than many mm. are. Um, so again, if you think about this from a leadership perspective, lots of people listening to this uh, work in the corporate space. Uh, some of them will work for themselves, their own businesses, and then um, giving their services to the corporate space. From a leadership perspective, how have you seen this focus on well-being change leaders' requirements or leadership practices? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I certainly think um, developing our leaders in a, in a new way um, has been a, a big trend. Um, I, I was talking to, to one huge um, uh, professional services firm recently, and they have completely revamped um, their, their leadership approach, leadership training. Um, so the type of people that they're looking for um, within their organization has changed. Mm. And that skill set, you talk about emotional intelligence, you talk about all of those key areas that that we know now that really work um, as a leadership uh, style and, and quality. Um, and I think we've gone from, you know, there was lots of, this is very fluffy talk um, in the early days, um, I think COVID obviously accelerated that that conversation. Um, what I'm seeing now a lot more of, um, which is really great, is that that link to high performance, which mm. I think every organisation wants. We all want really healthy, high performing, productive teams um, uh, working in a positive way, and uh, and that that should be unlocked through positive psychology, through through well being creating those high performing teams so so yeah that that seems to be where it sits at the moment um but uh yeah interested to get your thoughts as well because you're you're in that market <laughs> well the funny thing is i kicked off an emotional intelligence program this morning because uh people are wanting to get certified in the mesquite uh, and do more around ei and i think to your point one of the things that um leadership programs now need to focus on is being a leader of people not just the manager of tasks so less about the decision making model and the strategic process and planning and whatever you but more on people how to have a conversation around well-being how to recognize emotions how to deal with these sorts of things and then we get to the high performance because people are flourishing so yeah it does make yeah. a difference so bearing in mind your organization has grown considerably over those 10 years uh what do you do to look after your well-being um well, I, I have to be honest, and uh, over the recent weeks, I haven't been too good. <laughs> um, uh, there's been a lot of travel. Um, I'm, uh, for some strange reason, I uh, I love spin. Um, so uh, spin <laughs> um, is uh, uh, there's a lot of people that dislike it, um, but but I love it. It's the um, so I, I do that quite regularly. Uh, first thing in the morning. If I don't do it first thing, then I never get it done. So um, so I I, I try to do that. Um, as I say, getting out into nature, um, 
spending time um, with friends and family and uh, connection time is important to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, also having that quiet. I'm a bit introverted, to be honest, which is not which is not great when you're uh, standing on stage uh, running an event. But um, <laughs> but but yeah, I need that sort of quiet time as well. Um, so that's uh, that's important to me. Yeah. And what about then from a leadership perspective? How do you build in everything you've learned about well-being to lead the the number of people that you now have in your organisation? Uh, well, uh, I mean, this year um, we, we've actually developed our own well-being program uh, internally. Um, so, uh, and, and and we're using ourselves really as a case study um, to to talk about, uh, and that's what we'll be talking about next year in twenty fourteen, uh, twenty twenty four. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, um, so so yeah, using that knowledge that we've built up over the last ten years. Um, doing all of the good things in our own tiny little organization um uh, you know there's only 21 of us but um but we're you know it's quite a quite a small team but it, it, it's it's a good way to, to to build out that 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 case study uh, and see the results so we're, we're we're doing it our we're practicing what we preach and um and and share we'll be sharing the results of that next year so um so really building in i mean like i say there's there's lots of great things that um uh, uh organizations can do um we, we happen to be in the heart of it so we so we hear those great things and also having having your uh, strengths um uh, has been a big part of that uh, this year as well so um yeah it's it's been really useful to 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 use some of these tools and to uh, and develop those ideas and then hopefully um we're going to have some positive results in uh, in the new year yeah. And it's really lovely you say that, Chris, because I always say treat yourself as a scientific experiment. You know, sometimes people come on our diploma because they want to learn about well-being to help other people. But actually, the first place to start is yourself and you test it on yourself and see what happens and then maybe share it with other people. So hmm. uh, I love that you're doing that. And and so you mentioned about strengths. What are some of your top strengths? Uh, mine, um, I, I definitely know that detail isn't the top strength. That was uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so everyone in the team now knows not to uh, send me pages of terms and conditions because uh, I, I, uh, I, I would only scan it. So that's uh, that. That's definitely um, that. That's definitely out of the list. Um, uh, my top strengths. What were they? Um, I'm trying to remember now. It was a. It was a few weeks ago. Um, uh, what were they? Um, so I think integrity was one. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. So I'm going to have to come back to you on that because I'm trying <laughs> to remember. Um, my mind's all over the place with the summit tomorrow. But um, but I just remember detail not being uh, a, high, <laughs> a high one anyway. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because I know you're doing more on the strengths uh, coming soon. And one of the things that I always do, I have my strengths to hand so that I can draw on them. So I'm sure by the time you finish your team stuff, then uh, there'll be lots more that might be uh, cropping up in the year ahead of using your strengths. Um, so you did just mention though, Chris, about you get to hear lots of stories. Um, so if we think about some of the things um, that large organizations or small organizations are doing that you think are unique or best practice, you don't need to give us the name of the organization, but what are some of the things you've heard that you're really seeing is making a difference in organizations and workplaces? Um, I think in general, uh, the the personalization and uh, and bringing bringing those uh, things together. Um, I, I think what's happened 
during the COVID period, there was lots of individual initiatives um, all over the place. Um, and employees were bombarded with, we've got this to support you, this to support you. And, and actually, where does it all come together? Um, and, and what we're seeing now um, in, in those in those forward thinking organisations is having that more strategic approach that, that brings all of those elements together. Because then there might be a number of providers in there, there might be a number of solutions, um, but, but it's got to be personalised to that individual. Mm. Um, I think, you know, when we roll out an app, for example, and say everyone needs to use that, well, I might not want to use that app. I, I might not want to do meditation, but I might want to do something else to help me. So, um, having that personalization, I think, is uh, is really starting to, to build results and, and think more holistically and strategically um, and, and really understanding what your workforce is like. Um, you know, organization, uh, I think generally, you know, whenever I uh, go to webinars or events and things like that, generally people talk about white collar workers. Well, actually, there's lots of organizations with blue collar workers and frontline workers and how are we supporting them? Um, in this uh, uh, digital age that we're that we're living through, so yeah, I think um, uh, I, I think really understanding your workforce, listening to what your workforce is saying, and uh, and then personalising it uh, appropriately, mm. uh, and having that holistic view um, seems to be working well. Yeah, and I love that because again, it sticks to it sort of smacks of what the research says of um, person activity fit. What works for one person doesn't work for another. And I think to your point is, um, you know, I still sometimes hear this: somebody's heard gratitude is important. So as a leader, I'm going to start every meeting with "What are you grateful for?" Or I've heard mindfulness is important, so we're going to do a mindfulness at the beginning of every meeting. And that's great for a while, but it, you could be annoying as many people as you're supporting if you're not varying it. And I always say to people, if you know gratitude is important, it doesn't mean you start a meeting with what's one thing you're grateful for and force people to do it. You shake it up a little bit. You know, you change the way you do things. You bring it to life in different ways. Um, so I like that you're seeing more of that because I think, um, yeah, you can't just sort of throw something at everybody and assume that it's going to work. Hmm. And 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 the results are showing that as well. Um, you know, there's there's that sort of there's that moment of clarity in an organisation of saying we've spent a fortune on X Y Z, but the impact has been really you know we haven't seen any needles yeah. being moved, um, and 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 that's a problem because then do they question everything around the subject? Uh, yeah. Or, or actually, was it the implementation or the solution itself? So mm. um, I would say to organisations, look, it's not that focusing on well-being at work is not a good idea, because it is. We know that the evidence is there. Yeah. Um, but really think about what you're going to do. And um, and I think that's starting to happen. I, I guess the COVID situation and uh, the, there's no fault here. We, we're all in panic mode and we all just went, you know, let, we've got to do something quickly. Um Whereas now I think there's a bit more of a stepping back and really thinking yeah. about the approach. Yeah, and I was chatting to somebody recently who came to visit from the UK and their organisation in the UK has rolled out an app. Um, and every day he has to put in, you know, he gets prompted, how is he feeling and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I'm starting to get really annoyed with it because if my well-being is low, it keeps prompting me. Your well-being is low. Do something about it. And he's like, oh, shut up. I know my well-being is low. <laughs> 
and also for people who are trying to spend less time on technology and apps seems like an easy solution and yet it's actually pulling people away from the human connection uh which may be what we want to do more of so yeah it's interesting yeah um, so again, you've sort of seen sort of 10 years of this, particularly um, with well-being in the workplace. So that's been your focus, well-being at work. Um, where do you see it going? Um, well, I would like to see it being a, a strategic priority in every organization. That's that that's what we're that's what we're trying to achieve. Um it's it's a big, big, big goal, but um, but but hopefully we can. We, we we can we can try our best to uh, to get as close as we can. Um, so I, I just think I, I want it to be the norm um, and uh, and embedded in every organisation, um, not just doing some tactical uh, quick fixes, but actually embedded in in every organisation. Um, and I, I think if we look at the wider world, not just the workplace, you know what's going on in the wider world and and how people are affected by that. Um, you know any organization that says that, that you know this is not our responsibility or this is not uh, anything to do with us well it is because people are affected by it um you know world events are it, it's tough um to, to 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 listen i've tended to to switch off to be honest and <laughs> almost step away from it but but you can't help but feel uh, affected by that and if if you are then then that's going to impact uh, your work as well. And um, so I, I think it's the key to unlocking a, a really strong, high-performing workplace um, mm -hmm. because we can support people. And, and what sort of world do we want to live in as well? You know, um, Do we want people to be getting sick at work or do we want people to be flourishing and thriving and doing great stuff and being creative and innovative? You know, that's that's where we want to be, surely. Mm. And to your point earlier, I think you're right that a lot of well-being initiatives maybe have favoured more to your point, your your, your words, white collar workers, because I know, again, recently, one of the organisations we've been working with, they're now rolling out little what we call our flourish bite size, little bite size chunks that any manager can run in a manufacturing plant, in, you know, uh, field services, people are out on the road in just 15, 20 minutes and do real live things with people um, that's perhaps different. And to your point, everybody deserves the opportunity to learn some of this sort of stuff. And yet often it is sort of held sometimes uh, by the, the office, the white collar, as opposed to actually sharing. And how do you see those well-being differences, though, in, in different areas or different types of workplace? Because there are certain things, as you said, that may not be appropriate unless somebody is in an office. Um, so, again, how do you see that sort of changing based on the employee? Um, well, I think I think technology can can play a role. Um, uh, but but I also think we should be listening to to our employees and and, and meeting them where they are. So if we are if we are at 80% manufacturing um I, I remember someone on our one of our panels was a um we had a virtual panel during covid and uh, and one of the uh, hr leaders was from a food service industry and and she said all this conversation is great but we haven't worked from home since day 1 you know we we provide food um so what she was saying is is really listening to to that workforce and understanding where they are uh, and then again, personalization, uh, bringing bringing that to them. So whether that's through 
using technology or like you've suggested you know having the leader within that manufacturing plant actually doing a specific uh program for that group um and and they'll have different needs as well and different stresses um and whether it be shift work or whatever it might be um but i think meeting meeting the employee where they are uh, and, and delivering something that is uh, matching their needs will be will, will be yeah far helpful far more helpful than doing a blanket let's have an app or something like that whereas yeah. you know that that has its place and i'm not i'm not dismissing <laughs> i'm not dismissing uh, all the apps out there but but it but it's it, it needs to be part of something bigger yeah and it's funny again because one of the reasons i love um the work on well-being assessment is because it's personalized i get my profile when i fill it in and most importantly i'm benchmarked against me and it's one of the things i've always loved about the work on well-being because um it doesn't matter whether i benchmarked against you and you're happier than me that's irrelevant what i want to know is if i take it here and then i implement these particular steps will it impact my well-being in six months time because it's personal to me it's my well-being um so i love the fact that you've mentioned that a few times that personalization um and as much as that's hard for organizations to sometimes do it's easier to do the blanket approach um actually if you've got a range of things and you educate your um employees on what's available then i guess they can grab what's relevant to them and hmm. um, we're all different we have different drivers you know i talked earlier about spin you know, so if, if if someone, if an organization gives me um, a, a gym membership that doesn't include classes, I'm not going to use it. I can't just go in there and be, you know, that focused to lift weights and and do it myself. I need someone screaming at me um, <laughs> and, uh, and telling me what to do and yeah. uh, and do it in that way. And, and that's what works for me. And, uh, yeah. and, and you build up that community of uh, people who love spin within your organization so you have those sub communities within a, a larger organization yeah. and then you build up new relationships of like-minded people and and really organizations are, are, are a number of different communities coming together for one big community so um, uh, like we have uh, employee resource groups on particular groups like LGBT or you know whatever that, those groups be it's the same as uh, what 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 drives our well-being and uh, and what we enjoy doing, and so um, uh, I think if we can move towards that, then we'll have much better results. Yeah, I love that. And actually, it's just um, triggered something in my head, Chris. And I'd love your thoughts because I think this is a tougher uh, area for organisations to focus on: is that meaning component of well-being. How do you see that bit uh, increasing or decreasing in focus? Do you mean? purpose or yeah or, or that the, sense yeah. of meaning and purpose in what we do and how that uh impacts our well-being from a workplace perspective yeah i think i i think meaning and purpose are are, are the, the foundations to uh successful well-being i know i know from personal experience um you know my my productivity and my my work has been the best it's ever been um since i've been doing this because i feel really strongly linked to to what we're trying to achieve mm. um and every organization can find their their purpose uh, and then help their employees to link their own purpose to that wider purpose mm. um and meaning so um you know done quite a lot of work um with 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 organizations on this and 
have said, you know, how do we find a purpose? We make widgets. Well, what, what's the what's the bigger meaning, you know, and and really digging deeper. And, and then suddenly it really opens up and then you find each employee finding their link to that purpose. And then suddenly the magic happens. So um, I think everyone, every organization and every person um, can do that. Um, it takes work. But um, but when you when you get it right, the magic really does happen. Yeah. And again, what you've indicated there is that personalized element, because each person needs to connect their own personal purpose to the purpose of the organization to really make mm. it work. Yeah. So what's the purpose of your organization? Um, well, uh, we we want to make well-being a strategic priority in, in every organization. Um, and uh, and we try and provide the 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 inspiration and the ideas uh, and the tools to do that um it's a big it's a big goal as i said earlier so it, it you know uh, there's there's a lot of work to do but um but i think by doing it through the workplace um through organizations we can reach uh, a lot more people um and so um yeah look, not everyone's going to come on our journey <laughs> I, I appreciate that but uh, we're seeing more and more industry sectors and more and more organizations join that mm -hmm. uh, conversation so um so yeah hopefully we've, we've we've made a small difference over the last 10 years <laughs> absolutely and i know you're going to make a bigger one so talking about coming on the journey i'm lucky enough that i get to come on the journey uh in uh march in new york mm. i get to speak at one of your events um what have you got coming up in 2024 what are some of the events that you've got coming 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 up that people could perhaps join you for yeah, so we um we 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 we're, we're pretty much in most uh, most continents now. Um, the America uh, event, as you say, in March, we're really looking forward to that. Um, it's our uh, it's our biggest uh, event globally. So we're on the east and west coast, but um, but yeah, we've we, we've tried to bring the event as close as we can to to everyone. So um, so yeah, there's there's twenty locations around the world. Um, so hopefully one will be uh, suitable for, for, for your audience. <laughs> Well, we will make sure that we share the link as well to uh, uh, so, so that when people jump on, they can sort of see it. Um, but if people wanted to find out where to go, um, what's their best option? Uh, the website is uh, where everything is really, wellbeingatwork.world. Beautiful. OK, well, I am excited that I get to see you hopefully in person in New York if next year it's one of your uh, sessions. So um, this will be going out in 2024. But if you're going to be there, uh, hopefully you will. I'll get to see Absolutely, you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love what you're doing, Chris. And, and I know, as I say, we've worked together a number of times over a number of different years now. And uh, what I really love is what you stand for as an organization and that you, I see that what you're really trying to do is make a difference with well-being in the workplace. And it does, um, it is an important thing. We spend majority of our time in the workplace, whatever that work is. Um, so whatever we can do to make it better. So I'm grateful for what you've done because I've seen it not just as a an event where you can, you know, it's there to make money. You do it for that purpose that you mentioned. And I've seen that in every aspect and every conversation that we've had. Um, so it's a pleasure to be a part of it. And thank you so much for joining us for this uh, small conversation. My last question to you is I always want to know some little tangible things. So what books should I read? What podcasts should I listen to? Oh. What have you been reading or, or listening to lately? Oh, that's a good one. Um, 
Well, uh, 4,000 weeks. Uh, my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that is a life changing book, um, which I which I read earlier this year and definitely my highlight from this year. Yeah. Um, as a as a slightly introverted person, I uh, I've recently read Quiet, which is actually 10 years old, mm-hmm. um, but I've I've finally discovered it. And um, and uh, again, that's a bit of a life changer for me. Um, podcasts. Um, uh, I like I like the high performance podcasts. Um, I, I find that um, quite interesting. It's got quite a lot of sporty people on there, and uh, I'm I'm really interested in the the link between sport and um, and business actually. So um, uh, yeah, that would be my my three recommendations. I don't know if you've you've clearly no. read them. So. <laughs> no, I've I've read Four Thousand Weeks and I love it. And in fact, I've listened to it four times on Audible because I just think it is such a great book. So I'm definitely with you on that one. <laughs> a life changer, and it's. I, I went into it thinking, oh, this is going to be another time management thing. Yeah. But it's uh, it's so much more than that. It's um it's an awesome book. Um. Yeah. And uh, and quiet for all those introverts out there. Definitely read quiet. You you will have all of those niggles and doubts that you had uh, throughout your life will 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 evaporate because it talks about um, the wonderful uh, elements of introverts and gives you a massive lift. So um, so yeah, there's a tip for introverts out there. <laughs> I love that, and I love that you clearly took something away. And it's funny because with four thousand weeks, I've actually got two quotes sitting beside my desk: <laughs> the freedom to suck without caring and the freedom to pursue the futile. I love that. I just keep it beside Amazing. me in the fact that these are possible. So yeah, when you have some of those things lifted or uh, shifted in your mind through those books, it makes a difference. Brilliant. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you, everybody, to listening for listening. I hope you found something of interest, uh, and maybe check out uh, the website. So, well, we at work dot world. You said didn't that's you? it. Yeah, I always <laughs> want to put dot co dot uk in dot world. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, Chris, I will see you. Uh, I won't see you in Sydney, but I will see you in New York very soon. Look forward to it, and thanks again for the invitation. Thank you, Chris.